Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Time where we get to learn just some new faces, people that you haven't met before. You get to spend some time with them, and then we worship together, and then we have the service. So make sure you are here. It's an amazing breakfast. We do not, um, uh, I, we do not bring anything old or that somebody else didn't want. These are. This is going to be good. Okay, it's going to be good. So, so uh, it's going to be Waffle Sunday. So looking forward to it. So make sure your kids are here. Invite friends. It's free. It's for the community. Anybody's welcome. So please make sure that you invite somebody. It's part of our message from last week. Remember, what's the role of the church? What are we supposed to do as a church? Make a greater impact. And we are supposed to invite somebody. Okay. These chairs, I was, again, I was worshiping at the back, and I thought to myself, you know, I can come up with excuses why our chairs are, are not filled and why we are not running two or three services. And, and, and the reason, there's many excuses for today. It's snowing, and, and you know, they were predicting 20 centimeters. So everybody planned everything else, and there's many re- we, can, we can make up excuses, but the reality is uh, if we're going to build the church, it has to happen from the church. It has to happen from within this body. Um, and um, I, I want to encourage you, get, get uh, on board with the mission of the church, which is to build the church. Um, it, it is vital. Um, we, we're busy with the series. If you're new, welcome. So glad that you're here. I see some pe- people that we, we've known for years. So glad that you guys joined us. It's awesome to have you. Um, uh, let me start by praying this morning. Um, God, remind us why you want us here. Um, and Holy Spirit, let us not miss it. Um, we want to be, be open and sensitive to what, what you've got planned for us and um, eliminate any distractions um, that we might have in Jesus' name. Amen. And while I was praying, the Holy Spirit said to me, just eliminate the distraction of your, your jersey, your shirt. Okay? I chose this because I like it. Okay? So anybody else, any comments? Now zip it. That's It's done. There's no, just so you know, there's no prophetic meaning in this. This is not like a prophetic ministry. This is not, um, I'm not going to use these as things to point to in the message. Okay. None of that. Okay. Everybody got that. Okay. It's called fashion. Thank you. And even if I make it myself, it's still fashion. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So now that, now that that's out of the way, um, so glad. Um, now, um, I, I do want to begin with, with a concern. I mean, I, and I don't think I'm alone in this. I believe if you are a Christian and you are a believer, you have concerns also. And my concern, man, um, being a pastor, is really rooted um, in the cultural decline um, that there is in society in church. There, there's an absolute decline. And Canada, much like any most other parts of the world, we are seeing it. We're seeing decline church attendance throughout Europe, United States, Canada. Um, Europe is crazy. Thousands of European churches are being transformed into mosques, bars, um, warehouses um, for the lack of worshipers. There's not a lot of people that feel they value wanting to go to church anymore. There's an article that I read that said, in France right now, only 5% of Catholics go to church. In Denmark, in Denmark only 5% of Lutherans attend church. And only 3% of the population of the Czech Republic attend church. In Canada, 4% of our population attend church on Sundays. In the United States right now, 4,500 churches close their doors every year. 4,500. I just want that to, just, just, let me just put it out there. 4,500 churches are closing their doors every year. Um, the church is fighting back, and we are planting 3,000 new ones every year, but that's still a loss of 1,500 churches. That's a lot. A Bono research group estimated that 3,500 Americans leave the church every day. People leaving church every day. Why is this? Why are people leaving church? Why are people not attending church? Why are churches not overflowing? I want to guarantee you it's not because of Jesus. And it's not because of his message. It's not because of his love and the relationship that God wants to have with people. Those are not the reasons. 
And I don't think we've got time to go down all the reasons why there are so many people leaving church, but there are many. But, but here's a little illustration of two churches in a small town that decided that it would be better for them to combine their resources. Instead of being two, two small churches, let's become one. Instead of two struggling congregations, let's become one that's, that's healthier. We have more people. We can serve more people. But there was one problem that the two churches ran into, and it was the Lord's Prayer, especially the wording of the Lord's Prayer. So you know the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in. And give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. Okay, so, so some of you said debts. And some of you said trespasses. And right there was the reason why the two churches could not become one. Because they could not agree on the wording for trespasses and debts. It's crazy. And some people look at that and they think, you know, I'm just done with that. I'm done with organized religion. I'm done with the bickering, the, the backbiting, the legalism. Um, I'm, I'm done with the formalism of all this, this whole ceremony of everything else. Listen, and most people, if you survey Canada, 72% of the people on the street will tell you if there are any religion, they would say Christian. Yet, 4% attend church. So Jesus is okay. God is okay, but church is not. And that for me is very sad. See, I think people really want church to be authentic. Like, I think you want, for me, when I listen to messages, and it's really hard, it's kind of when you've been in an industry, uh, you guys might identify with this. If you've ever been working in a certain industry or you've been um, active in something, when you see somebody else do it, what do you become? A critic, right? You become somebody that immediately looks at that and goes, hmm. I think I would have done that differently. I probably would have done that better. Oh, that was terrible. So, you know what's really hard is when we attend church services now. <laughs> no, just say, you know, when, when we were on our sabbatical, we had different church services. And what happens is you go through your mind going, oh, we do that way better. <laughs> right? And, it, and, it's, and it's not arrogance. It, it's, it was humility. <laughs> Disguised. Um, but the, the reality is, is when people walk into church, uh, you want an authentic message. You don't want one that feels like it's slapped on. It's a ritual that they're just going through. Uh, I despise rituals just for the purpose of rituals. I, I really struggle with it, like sitting in traffic. Like, it's the same for me. I really, I, I would do anything. I would drive an extra hour just to not sit 10 minutes in traffic. I would rather do that. I, or standing in a line, I know. It's, it's all good values. You can learn from me. It's authentic. Here we go. People don't want to show. I find myself when I look at services and I listen to pastors and preachers right now and, and just looking at the state of the church, I'm trying to evaluate what can we do here as a church to have a greater impact? Why are people not storming through the doors? I think people are tired of a show. They want authentic people from the congregation, from the pulpit, from the worship. They're not looking for perfection. We were at a church service over Christmas Eve, and, and this church, is, it's a big church, um, and they, they had an altar call at Christmas Eve, and there were a few hundred people that went in the altar call, and I said to Ermey, I don't get it. I can't understand why, because the, the, the music and the preaching... Um, I was like, I don't get, like, what moved them? And then we kind of had this kind of, and it's just because they were authentic. It wasn't fake. It wasn't slapped on. There weren't stickers. It was just real, authentic people worshiping, um, dedicated to God, the pastor preaching out of love, and people respond to that. And for us as a church, we need to have that in our lives. We need to be authentic. People can see through you. Um, and I think, unfortunately, many churches, there are a lot of shows that's going on. 
there's, there's a lot of shit. You see somebody, some other church do it and you go, you know, I'm going to do the same. And it's not authentic to you. People want life-changing truth. They don't want to waste their time. What goes on in many churches, and again, this is not a critique against pastors. It's a desire for us to say, listen, church, we need to wake up because the church in the world is dying. Unless we do something about it in the church, I want to say is, yes, the pastor and the worship, is, it's part of it. But the chairs, you, are the biggest part of it. So what goes on in many churches is watered-down messages, therapeutic pep talks, you know, how to get your smile back in three easy steps. You know, and some of them barely up to the level of Dr. Phil. I mean, he is good at it, but I mean, it's, it's like we can't compete with that. The world has enough of that junk. We can't compete with it. What the church is supposed to be, and please hear me when, I, when I'm speaking this morning, I, I hope I don't come across as aggressive or angry. Am I okay? Okay, I have to check with Emery. Uh, <laughs> because I can unfortunately come across that way because it, it I want to say it bitters me and it angers me that we are not having a greater effect. Um, like, So for, what, 13 years we've been here. 13 years, right? So life church, life for 13 years. Man, I am not satisfied with what we've done. I'm not. So church is supposed to have a life-changing effect. It is supposed to. It's supposed to be in an encounter with a living God. And the word is supposed to, it's supposed to challenge you and for you to go, wow, I need to bring change. Um, and the people in the church are supposed to be relevant in community and not just on Sundays. It's supposed to move out of these doors into the community and not stop by the front door or when you get into your car. It's supposed to bleed out. Christ is supposed to bleed into every area of your life. All of it. The church has a wonderful purpose. And I know many times we don't see it and we don't recognize it. But listen, the church has an amazing purpose that is supposed to fulfill in your life. I said last week, the church changed everything for me. First, accepting Christ. But then being plugged into a church when I was 19 years old. The life impact that it had on me, it changed everything. And in a good way. So the church and this church, it has a specific function to fulfill in every believer's life. And I don't think we necessarily recognize what that function is. So, so what I want to do this morning is... Um, I want to bring to you the specific role that this church is supposed to fulfill in your life. And, and I want you to recognize the different things. And then I want you to identify and see, listen, am I stepping into those functions that the church is supposed to have? Is this church functioning as that? And if it is not, um, is it there? Should we hold them, the leadership accountable? Or is there accountability on my side? Because stepping into the function of the church carries a cost. There is a greater cost to be the church than simply attending a church. Attending a church ticks a box. Being the church comes with a cost. So we're going to look at that today. Okay, now here's the first thing um, that I wanna, want you to see. Churches should assemble together. So Jeannie just rushed back to her house to go pick up the tithing envelopes. Now, we've, been, we, we've got our, our um, donation receipts. We've had them for a month. I, I want to say to you next year, if, if we're still here in this world, we will have them for two weeks. Because if you do not attend regularly, you will not get your donation receipt. 
I mean, seriously, come on. For a month, we've been packing our table so that we can somehow get your receipt to you. And listen, we are thankful that, that you are giving to the church, but I want you to be clear, you're not giving to me. You're fulfilling a mandate that's in God's word, which is the tithe. So let me not, was I angry again? I'm sorry. So righteous, I'm sorry, that's, I'm not, so, I, but I'm just, can you understand, kind of, I'm thinking, yes, Jeannie has to rush home quickly because, because we have not gathered our donation receipts yet for a month. So either you've been here and you haven't picked it up, which is fine. If you've been here, fantastic. Thank you. I love you. It's good that you've been here. Or you haven't been here for a month. And that's not right. The church is supposed to assemble. We're supposed to be together. And assembly is going to cost you. It means it will take time and it might mean that you have to scratch snow off your windshield or you have to maybe plan your Saturday night in such a way that you don't get to bed at one, um, that you are able, even tell your kids, I go to bed on Saturdays at eight o'clock um, because I want to be ready for this day. Now, I'm not saying that you have to go to bed at eight o'clock, but I do. I work here. But, but for you, like assembly must matter. It has to have value. We, we plan our weeks, again, I work here, so I know I have to, but we plan our weeks on Sundays. Like, it's, it's a valuable thing. Uh, uh, so let's look at um, Colossians 4, um, verse 15. It says, greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church that is in his house. Now, when this epistle is read among you, see that you read it also in the church of Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from the Laodicea. Okay, so, so Paul is the apostle, um, and he's in prison in Rome right now. So he's writing a letter to the church of Colossae. So Colossians, that's where we get the letter from. So he's writing a, a letter to them, and he knows that they are gathering together. He's saying, now that you are going to gather together, what I want you to do is, um, I want you to read the letters. So you are assembling. He is recognizing that there is an assembly taking place. He also mentions a town, Laodicea, which is nine miles away from where they are currently. It's a neighboring church. So in his mind, what's going on right now is you're going to read this letter, and at the same time you're reading this letter, they are going to read your letter at the same time because they are gathering. There is an importance in gathering. At this point in time, there were no church buildings like we have nowadays. They were gathering in homes, and depends on the size of the homes, depends on how many people could gather there. It mentions here the church that is in Nymphus house. Uh, so that's a church in Laodicea. And we believe that the church in Colossae, it was in Philemon's, Philemon um, in Afrikaans. But Philemon's, that's a theological way how you would say it. It was in his house. Now it's pretty obvious that the church, God's people, need to gather regularly. Now, I, I, I love the people listening online. And last week, you know, um, I hope I didn't come across um, angry um, at you for not being here. Um, and I see there's an incredible purpose for online ministry. I, I th it's amazing to see that we are in 39 countries, people hearing this message today. It's awesome to know that we are impacting the world. And for those who were listening online last week, you know, uh, we love you. Um, we love that you worship with us. Elsie and Frank, you know, if... I'll wave to you. I know you guys are there right now. But you know what? I also know what they are doing right now. They booked the restaurant, local coffee shop, where they are paying for the coffee and the snacks. They're opening the doors up, and they are live streaming the service to people there. There's an amazing purpose for online. They are not just satisfied with the two of them sitting in their room. And I also know that there are many people who are in, in care homes and facilities where they can't necessarily come here. They can't drive. They're not in, in the position where they can get in a vehicle and drive themselves anymore. I want to encourage you. Don't just sit on your own and watch the message. Invite somebody into your apartment, into your condo, into the area where you are. If you need money for coffee and tea and snacks, email us. We will pay every week for you to gather people around the word. But don't sit isolated. We have to gather. 
join online, fantastic, make it a watch party. Because in the New Testament, there is a phrase that is mentioned a hundred times. And the phrase in the New Testament is, with one another. It's not this phrase solo. With one another. And 59 times of those, it relates to Christians who should be with one another. Um, it says, encourage one another. Serve one another. Honor one another. Love one another. Prefer one another. 59 times in the New Testament. Now, here's a question I've been asked over the years. Um, the question is the following. Uh, can I be a Christian and not go to church? Can I be a Christian and not go to church? I always wonder why I get asked that question. Is it that you don't like these people? It's not me because I'm preaching. They're watching online. So it has to be you guys. Because in my mind, I'm just trying to, why do you want an excuse not to gather? Why is that even a question for you? Why? I mean, the technical answer is, yes, you can be a Christian without attending church. No problem. Because we all know that we get saved by a confession as Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, not by our attendance of church. Church attendance does not save you. Christ saves you, but it's still a weird question. It's like saying, <clears throat> we're going to play ice hockey, but there's no ice and no net, but you still have to put all the gear on. That would just be weird. It's like being a football player, but there's no team. You could probably throw the ball to yourself, and that would be fun for like three minutes. It's like being a tuba player. Oh, 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 oh. That's what tuba sound like. Without a band. It's terrible to listen to. But add a band? Man, there's something in it. Don't add too much to it. But, uh. So the question is, can I be a Christian and not go to church? Yes, you can. But it's not good. God said it's not good for man to be alone. Now, technology is amazing, and there's amazing benefits. Zoom calls are amazing. You can listen online, and all of that is amazing. But it is not the same as being in an engaging meeting where we assemble together as the church, where there is assembly together. And when we assemble, a few things that we accomplish. I want to show you what happens when we assemble. What is supposed to happen when we assemble? Now, I want you to recognize and tell me, I hope that we can tick all these boxes. Because again, I want to say the accountability from the leadership team and from the pastor in the church is to preach the word. The worship is supposed to encourage you to worship God. The venue is to keep you from getting rained and snowed on. The rest of the things is the body. So, so here we go. The first thing that's supposed to happen when we get together, it is supposed to fuel our faith. It fuels our faith when we gather. It's way better with other people than us privately sitting in our homes trying to encourage ourselves. There's like a psychological impetus when you're hearing truth, when you're singing with others. I mean, come on, this, like I was so encouraged. It's so beautiful to see. I saw a dad was standing with his two arms around his two sons when we were singing Jesus for my family. When we are gathered with people and you see that, that encourages you. And you see, man, there's people that are praying and believing for the same things I am praying and believing for. I'm not alone in this. It builds our faith. There's level of encouragement you can get on your own, but you cannot get it um, to the level that when there's other people surrounding you. Uh, we, we have, <laughs> people do dumb things in crowds sometimes also. They do. Because for some other reason, you, we have somebody that we've been in a relationship with for, for many years. And, and during the 2000 and 10, uh, 2011 Vancouver riots, um, it's so great that we're famous for that. Um, 
um, where they were downtown after the Canucks lost game seven. And uh, this young man was with his friends and they were in the rights leaving downtown. And they came to a place where there was a car parked and they were rolling the cars over. And he made a joke with his friends, ran forward and said, oh, I'm going to push this car over. And in his joke doing this, suddenly there was a crowd of people who were crazies that thought he was serious. He didn't touch the car, but the moment he indicated he was going to, all of them came in and pushed and rolled the car over. He was one of the only three people convicted. His whole life destroyed because of it. Became a drug addict. Live on the streets. One decision with a bad crowd. One. And it's the same thing in a good crowd. One decision in a good crowd can change the rest of your life. But we have to assemble together. Hebrews 10, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some. It's like don't forsake the assembly as some do. But exhorting one another and so much more. And you see the day is approaching. So, so feel, it fuels our faith. It does something else also. It furthers our accountability. You can say, uh, you know, I don't need to go to church. I don't like organized religion. And whenever I hear people saying that, all I hear is, excuse. If you tell me I don't hear a word you're saying, it's like my dad at like a glazed over expression whenever you have an argument with him because he's already thinking of his next argument. Not listening to what you're saying. And, and sometimes when I hear people say, I don't attend organized religion, it's for me, the only thing I hear is an excuse. Because everything that the Bible talks about, the church assembly, is beautiful and awesome. And it depends on you, how you enter into it. Don't, don't do it depending necessarily on the other ones. How are you entering into that assembly? Um, so... I'm hearing people say, I don't want accountability when I hear them say, I don't like organized religion. Um, I hear people say, I don't want anybody to watch over <laughs> my private personal relationship with God. I don't, <laughs> it's my private personal relationship with God. It shouldn't be. Yes, you should have one. But that's not all it should be. Your relationship with God is supposed to feed others. It's that, that consumption mentality. Many people come to church, and I do think it's important when, when we gather, you're going to go through different places and growth spurts in your life in church. When we gather, we come with the mentality, God, teach me, teach me, teach me, teach me. Yes, every Sunday you, sh you should sit here and go, God, speak to me, teach me. Why? So that I can touch other people's lives. God, pour into me. Why? So I can pour into other people's lives. God changed me. Why? Because I want to be able to impact people with your love. It's, it's that accountability. It's, it's odd. And, and that's why some people don't like us. They, they don't like me as a pastor. Because I cannot stand. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm watching every first <laughs> count, 2001, 2002, when, when, you know, sometimes people come for years and 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 they consume, 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 and we pour, we pour, we pour, we pour, we pour, we pour, and then um, I haven't seen one moment in their life where they've given to somebody else. That is one of the most frustrating things in the church. Because it, it either means that I'm, the messages aren't right, the culture is not right. So it means something is wrong or that the person is not listening and hearing and they're simply ticking a box. We should be here with the saying, God, keep me accountable to your word. I want to be accountable, and the church should hold you accountable. This is Proverbs 18, verse 1, amazing scripture. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. 
thinking of it this way, the church, everybody here, everybody surrounding, just take them out. I'm not going to make you awkward, greet people around you and, you know, introduce you. But just look around. Look around at the people next to you, surrounding you, in front of you, behind you. The idea of everybody here, we are supposed to help each other mature and grow in our relationship. You are accountable for the people next to you, surrounding you. A third thing that assembly together, it fosters service. It creates that thing in your heart where you meet somebody here on Sunday morning. How are you going? What's going in a week? This is what I'm experiencing. And what happens is when you speak to people, you start hearing their circumstances and their life situation. And what happens inside of you, it fosters that desire and that need um, that they have for somebody to step in and say, hey, can I help? Can I pray? Can I support? What can I do? So when, it, when we gather, it takes us away from just our own mindset. It's just us. It's just me. It's just me and God, me and God, me and God, me and God, my own personal relationship. No, it's us. Jesus said, our Father in heaven. Now, is there times to pray, my Father? Yes, there is. Every single day of the week, my Father. But when we gather, it's our Father. We are here to serve you. I'm here to serve you. What do you want me to do? How can I make a difference? Uh, second thing um, that we should do in church, the second reason why we want church and should be excited about church is churches should study Scripture. You should be in a church where the Word is taught. What's the cost of that? The cost of that is it implies that there has to be change in you. If change is not happening in you when you hear the word, it either means the word is watered down or you are not listening. One of those two things. The word has to be taught. And what change is going to do, it will also bring repentance. Now, repentance, we know there's two things for the word repentance, right? Repentance is, is one to say, I'm sorry, I want to repent. Uh, I am I'm remorseful for my actions. So, and that repentance is supposed to lead to more change that I don't do it anymore. But the second word for repentance is the word metanoia, which means I am going to change the way I think and align it with God's word. I'm going to exchange my opinion for truth. And the church is supposed to present you with truth, not opinions. And the hard thing about truth, especially in today's world, it is counter-cultural. It is not what culture will tell you. It's not what the world is going to tell you. It's not going to change. The word will not change to come into agreement with what the world is saying. God's word stays the same, and it won't change. And that will cost us. When we come here, it means that we are going to do things differently than what the world is doing thing. We're going to do things differently the way they do it. We're not going to adapt their ways and their standards. We will not lower ours. We will stick to what the truth teaches us. So if you go back to verse 16, um, it says, Now when this epistle, now epistle means letter. So Paul was writing a letter. When this epistle is read um, among you, so as you are gathering in a private home, um, he says, do this, read this. When this epistle is read among you, see that it's also read in the church of, Ly of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle of Laodicea. So read both. The word read there means read aloud. It's not like quiet me on my own. This is read it out for everybody to hear. This is a church service that they were having. And it should center around the reading, the proclamation, and the teaching of Scripture. The church service. I value worship. I do. We have an amazing worship team. I value the worship where we can gather together and sing praises to God and worship Him. And make Him greater than any situation, problem, or circumstance. We glorify Him. We raise Him up. We lower ourselves. Worship is amazing. It's an instruction in the Word. 
But if a church is not focused on proclaiming the Bible and if it's watered down teaching just to keep people happy, do not attend that church. If it might be for some of you, it might be this one. Don't go now, at least wait until the end. But <laughs> be kind. I've been kind the whole morning. Um, but it should be. Our number one reason, let's say if you move countries, you, you, you move states, you move provinces, you're somewhere else now. When you go and try and figure out what church I'm going to attend, your number one thing you should look at, number one thing, not the lights, not the building, not the kids ministry. How strong is the word that's being taught? Because it's the word that transforms our lives. If you get a watered-down word and you start adapting your life to that watered-down word, you know what's going to happen when trouble comes? You're going to fall because you've built it on a flaky word. You need a solid word foundation, church. It is critical. So uh, something which is interesting here, and and I'm just going to skip a little bit. Um, So... There's a picture in this letter, so it's being read publicly. It's in an assembly, everybody together. And then when you get to verse 17, it says, and say to Archippus. Okay, now I want you to imagine um, Archippus is sitting in the house. Okay, so Archippus is part of this, this meeting that's going on. And they start reading the letter, and they get to the place. He says, and say to Archippus. If you Archippus, you're going, What? <laughs> He didn't mention any other names. It's like, that is a, a pretty, pretty significant call out. Say to Archippus, listen, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you might fulfill it. So he calls out a name. Now, I think this is actually something which is, which is um, amazing. In the early days of the churches, the church establishment in America, the whole of the Americas, They used to have the preaching of the word, but then after the preaching of the word, they had the the exposition of scripture. So somebody comes and and they take the scripture and they explain it to people more. This is what the Greek means, the Hebrew means, so that you can have understanding of what they're trying to say. This is the background. This This is the cultural influence. This is why it is significant to us. So they have that. And then after that, after the preacher, they had an exhorter come out. Now, the exhorter's job was to personalize the application of what was taught. So it would be like I've just preached, and now the exhorter comes up, and he might come up and say, okay, okay, listen, Mr. Schulte, Mr. Schulte, this means you're going to have to change the way you raise your kids. I mean, the, what this word just said, you're going to have to change that. Or Mr. Nevermont, where are you? Mr. Nevermont, are you, oh, are you present today? Fantastic. Listen, Mr. Nevermont. This word is saying that you're supposed to be here. This is, assembly is valuable. You're supposed to be here. Where's Laurie? Laurie, are you here? Laurie, stop mingling. Stop meddling in people's business that's got nothing to do with you. Shannon, where's Shannon? Shannon, yes. <laughs> Shannon, um, so what this word is saying is it says that you should stop gossiping. We all, know, we all know that you love gossiping, and it says that you should stop doing that. Now, I just want to say all the names and faces have been changed to protect the innocent. And this example, and these are not the direct people that was planning to speak to. But here's the thing. Can you, it's the first American reality TV show. Like you walk in on Sunday mornings and you go, (laughs) I wonder who's going to get it today. Like somebody's going to be exhorted. So that an exhorter that would come up and say, okay, now I want to make this practical. So God is speaking to us with this word. Now I'm going to call you out. Listen. God's calling you to serve. Why are you not serving? Now, the smallest scope, we can't do that today because of legal reasons and our insurance don't cover us. Um, But where this is supposed to happen, it's supposed to happen in our small groups. Not from the point of breaking anybody down, everybody down, anybody down, but from a place of saying, we are gathered together for accountability And I'm going to call you out because I care about you. So that accountability comes in when we gather together. One of the most important parts of church, of any church, please hear me, it's not our friendly, the greatest. Let me ask this question. I'm going to ask, okay. What is the most important part of church? If you have to pick a church, 
Like you have to do a new one. So what's the first thing we do? We Google it, right? Is that, that what you would do? Or would you just show up? Because how would you know where they are? You would Google it. Okay, so you would Google it. And then what would you do when you Google it? You would look at the, what the website looks like and go, oh, this looks like an old congregation. Uh, you know, th- we're not going to fit here. You didn't listen to the message or anything else in it. You look at the building. You, you look at the graphics. Uh, um, you, you look at, oh, no, you know, this is, this is not for us. What's their children's ministry like? Now, I want to say, are those things important? They are important. But the reality is, if a church values Scripture, then love, children's ministry, greeting, service, and worship will fall in line. Because it's built on something solid. So we have to look for the right things when we go to church. God grades churches, um, number one, if you, if you read in the book of Revelations on, am I priority? Am I number one? And then the second thing is, do you preach and teach the word? That's how God would judge churches. Do you love me? Do you preach and teach the word? The great commission Jesus gave his disciples said, make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Acts chapter 2, it's a scripture we read last week. Verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly, in some translation, they devoted themselves constantly to the apostles' doctrine. Listen, to the apostles' doctrine, which is teaching, to fellowship, gathering together. Fellowship, um, the meaning of the word means member to member exchanging life. You can't. Exchange life member to member if you're not with member. So doctrine, teaching, breaking of bread, which is communion. Why do we value communion? Because it is a reminder of everything that Christ accomplished for us on the cross and prayer. That's a healthy church. Okay, did you get that list? Okay. Now, Al Moeller He's a, he's a scholar and a theologian. He writes the following. He says, Rarely do we hear these days that a church is distinguished primarily by its preaching. What we hear people speak about, when we hear people speak about their own congregation, generally they speak about something other than preaching. They might speak about the church's ministry. They might speak about specialized programs for seniors or adults or young adults. They might speak about a church's music. Sometimes they speak of things far more superficial, but rarely do you hear a church described first and foremost by the character, power, and content of the preaching of the word. This is because few preachers today are true servants of the word. Paul Paul writes, the apostle, he says, I am a servant of the word. The word is important. He writes to Timothy, last letter, He said, make sure that you preach the word. If everything preach the word, because a time is coming, he says, when they will come, when they will not endure sound doctrine, there's going to be a time when you are going to hear things that is not lined up with God's word. And unless you have a church that preaches God's word, you are going to waver. And we see it in the church today. Churches are wavering on things that are clear and precise. There's sound doctrine. So churches should assemble together. Churches should study scripture. Third thing, churches should share, there's a lot of shish, should share resources. Uh, We should share our resources with others. Um, We as a church, we have an open hand policy. To any church surrounding us that we will help, we will give, we will donate, we will, we will um, from our resources, give to theirs, um, kids programs. Uh, we've even volunteered our staff to other churches. So then we'll pay for them. We'll pay for interns. They can come and serve you. Because we understand that there are different phases and stages that churches go to, and sometimes they can't afford it. We are a healthy church. This church is healthy. We have an amazing executive team. 
that looks after all the finances and business of this church, and they keep us accountable. We have a board who we are accountable to that speak to us, not people from our congregation, but that are pastors that are leading other congregations where we go to with theological and business and all matters that we can have wisdom about how to do things. So we have structure in this church and God has blessed it. There's a scripture in Revelations where he speaks to the church of Ephesus and he says, um, you've lost your first love and because you've lost your first love, I'm going to remove my lampstand from you. The lampstand represents light in a time of darkness. So when God places his lampstand in the presence of a church, it means it is supposed to attract attention and bring the outsiders to the inside. It means it's a church that God provides for. I truly believe that we are a church where God's lampstand is present because our first love is God and we honor his word. But I also know there are many churches who are struggling and we share as much resources as we possibly can that require us to still be good stewards with our body. But what will it cost you as a congregation? It might cost you finances might cost you some of your time and your service. Yesterday, we had somebody who's moving homes. And then we have people in our church that volunteer this time. Instead of saying, okay, buy, hire a, a moving company, we'll come and help move you. That is an awesome thing to do. It's amazing to hear how people are serving each other. That would cost finances. As a church, we are supposed to be willing to say, I'm going to share my resources with you. Fourth, churches should encourage ministry. Giving of yourself and accountability. That's, that's the cost when we encourage ministry. He talks about this, this guy, Archippus, and saying, Archippus, Archippus, if you're in the church, stand up. Archippus, God's got a word for you. He's saying, don't neglect. Don't stop doing this ministry that you're doing. A church is supposed to be a place of encouragement. Now, I think the best way to do this is wherever you are now, put your name in Archippus' place. Put your name in there. He says the following, take heed. Take heed. Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. There are so many amazing gifted people that I see sitting in front of us that God's placed a desire in your heart. And for some of you, you've run away from it for years. And it might be because we as a church neglected the encouragement to say, you're supposed to step into that ministry that God placed on you since you were a young man and a young woman. Do not neglect the ministry that he's called you to. Take heed. Go for it. Go for it. Don't run away from it. Don't be scared. Stand up in it. Mark. I want you to come forward, please. Um, you can come on stage, please. The scripture says we should be uh, ready for ministry in and out of season. <laughs> this is Mark's out of season one because I didn't tell him before the time. <laughs> Lawrence, come forward, please. Mark. Lanny. Now, if you're new to the church, we do this every week. No, we don't. You know, I just feel that uh, I was trying to, this whole morning, I've been up very early trying to, to ask God, God, how do you want to conclude the, the service? Like what? Because I mean, I, I, I hope that you hear my heart is, the heart is that every single one of you have a role to play in this body. If this church is to be built from the ground up, this is where it needs to happen. Which means that we must recognize how amazing it is to gather together. And you're going to invite other people because you know what it's going to add to them. You know that we're going to preach the word here every week. I will not not preach the word. We will preach the word every week. We know that's going to cost us something. And you are willing because you're not doing it for any person. But you're saying yes to God to his call. And you know that you will be encouraged in this place. To step into the ministry that God has for you. So, so I hope you hear that more than anything. But also know that, that God can speak not just through me. He speaks through the whole body. So what I want to ask these, these people, they, they are in our prayer team. 
they pray for you every week. Before the service starts, during the service, after the service, they stand you in front and they pray for, for different people. What I want to ask them to do this morning, and I haven't told them about this, is I want them to speak a word of encouragement over somebody in the congregation that God places on their hearts. Now, this is the first time they hear this. So, um, But I know every single one of them, uh, there's a story about Jesus that's up on the mountain. He's busy praying. And his disciples are, are on the a lower mountaintop, and there's a demon-possessed boy. And um, the parents bring the demon-possessed boy to, Jesus, uh, to the disciples and said, boy's demon-possessed. Now, just before this happened, the disciples were sent out by Jesus. He said to them, don't take an extra wallet, don't take a spare coat, don't take extra shoes. Just go and minister. I will be with you. And it says they saw many miracles and they drived out demons. So the disciples just came from that experience. And now they're sitting around the fireplace and they're talking about everything that they just experienced. Man, I, I prayed for a guy and his ear grew out or he's got, you know, he, he saw or this girl was demon possessed and she got delivered. And they're having a conversation and the dad enters into the picture with his, with his son and he said, listen, my son is demon possessed. And like Peter stands up and says, I've got this. You know, and he, and he prays and nothing happens. And John stands up and, and, you know, James and Andrew and all of them, all of them try. And then eventually Jesus comes down because he hears a kamakasa at the bottom, which I think is a, a word. Um, and he's there and he's like, what's going on? He said, uh, Jesus, we don't know what's going on. Like the father brought this, the son and, and he's demon possessed and we've been praying. We've been doing everything that we know how to do. We've just had experience with it and we cannot get this demon out of this boy. He's throwing the boy into the fire to kill him. And then Jesus says to him the following, this one only comes out by prayer and fasting. So was he asking them, okay, boys, let's pray and fast quickly. Like how long can you fast before the he throws him in the fire. Okay, I'm going to fast for these three minutes. Like we all can do that. That's not a problem. The issue was not prayer and fasting in the moment. The issue is, have you prepared yourself for this moment? Prayer and fasting is not for, I'm going to, do, I'm going to pray and fast quickly now. No, no. When I get into a ministry situation, I am ready because I have already prayed and fasted. So I know these these amazing people on stage, I know that they have already spent time with God. And we can call on God's Spirit to work through them at any time. So Mark. Pat, you're getting picked on today. I just got a sense this week actually that, that God's really pleased with you because you're stepping up. When you step up, it's, it's because there's accountability, but you're being accountable before God. And He wants you to just hang in there and listen to what He's saying. Because He's got bigger things and better things for you. There have been times of ministry in the past, but that was just prep work. What's coming for you is, is greater. So hang in there. Pat. Oh, Pat. Mr. Nuvramont. I don't have a word for someone in specific, but there's someone here, they've got a lot of issues in life, and they're all over the place, and they're trying to knit it together, and God says, you need to give up. Give it to me. I will line it up. And I'll line it up in such a way, we'll go, wow, I should have done this a lot sooner. I should give all my concerns, all my issues that I have with my life, give them to God. God is for you, he says. I will take your life. I will organize it, and it'll run in such a fashion you'll be amazed at what you can do with what you have. And God's totally going to impress you, and you're going to fall more and more in love with him. So whoever that is, just embrace it and come see us later. Awesome. I just want to add on to what Lord said. I really feel it's a call back. It's somebody who's been called back here. It's a call back that, that God is speaking to somebody who's been called back. So... As many of you know, it's hard for me to say a word without <laughs> getting emotional. So I will 
push through. But I, I want to speak to Maureen. Thank you. <laughs> Feels good. <laughs> Can you do it lower? Uh, um, you know, Maureen, God has just, like, um, you've given tirelessly. And God sees that. And he's just so honored that you've given into uh, people. Um, and I think of Roseanne, but there's others that you give in selflessly. You're never looking for the reward. It's out of the goodness from what God gives deep within. And you learned it because Um, you were alone and you needed Jesus and sometimes there was somebody there and sometimes there wasn't but you have learned to step in to heed the call to be the flesh of Jesus to people God loves you so much and the things that you are looking and hoping for even for your own family. God is already working in. He's blessing you, and he's blessed the people around you, and he will continue to bless in every area of your life, financially, uh, relationally, and even in this body. As God brings you back in, I think you feel like in some ways you're isolated. God's just saying, Come, my child. Commune with me. Commune with my body, the church, my bride. Uh, mine is, is more general for everybody as well. But there are gifts and callings that God has given each one of us. And I feel like in the last three years we have been forced to put them away and to, to shelve them or to even try and, and kill them. And God is saying that time has come to rebirth that, to, to bring life into those things. But with that comes uncomfortableness. And we have struggled in our physical world to make our places comfortable and to uh, work with people and be in small places with people. But as those gifts and callings are birthed and they come to life, it's uncomfortable and you're changing your behavior and your patterns, pushing good things towards God. But the people around you may not want to help you proceed in that. But just to keep going, keep going and to pursue God because the move that God has planned for this church is way bigger than the circumstances that we are dealing with and to just keep going and let God minister to you and let those gifts and callings come out. She led right into it. God's speaking to each and every person here this morning. And, you know, there's an expression that says, great, great forgiveness brings great love. Great forgiveness, along with that great love, also brings great accountability. And, and I really just feel this morning that God is speaking to each and every heart here this morning and saying, where are you? I'm looking for you. I want to use you. I want to bless you out of your socks. But I can't do anything for you if you don't bring yourself to me. I can't do anything with you if you don't let me work in you. I can't do anything through you unless you make yourself available. The choice is yours. This is no different to salvation. When Jesus says, I gave my life for you, I gave my blood for you, will you receive me as your Savior? The minute we say, I receive Jesus as my Savior, we're also saying, I'm calling you Lord. If He's Lord, then He is the right to point us in the direction and for us to say, yes, Lord, I'll do it.
Amen. Can I pray for us? Let's, everybody, let's close our eyes. Now, um, I know that, that God's speaking to every single one of us. I believe the Holy Spirit's not a, He doesn't have a general conversation. He has a conversation with you. Um, and I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If, if you are in a place where you want to say, God, I, uh, this is not a first-time um, commitment to Christ's call, but this is a recommitment to God's plan, which is the church call saying God I'm, I'm, I am responding yes to where you've placed me it says that they were added to the Lord daily and the Lord added them to the church God's placed you in the church so if you are here and you're saying God I'm going to take up my responsibility and my accountability to the church if you are visiting then for the church that you go to wherever it might be if you're listening online whatever church you are serving in if you are saying yes to, to, and some of you have already said yes. I know some of you are already stepping and living in that role where you're supposed to be in the church. But also know that there are many who are not. I want to give you an opportunity just to respond and say, God, I say yes to your call in the church. And I'm not going to just ask you to raise your hand. I'm actually going to ask you to stand up. Because this is a place of accountability and honor and respect. Awesome. And you can keep your eyes closed. Those of you that are still praying, spending time with God, keep your eyes closed. Because this is really just you and God. It's not about the people surrounding you right now. It's about you and God. I'm not going to sit idle by anymore, God. I'm not going to be idle in your body. I'm going to be active in it. I'm going to participate in everything that you've called us to do. I'm saying yes to your call. So, Father God, I want to pray for every person that's in here and those who are standing. And I pray that you will speak and reveal to every single one of them what the next step is in their involvement in the church. If it is stepping forward and say, hey, here are my talents, use it for the kingdom. I pray, Father, that you will give them the opportunity to do that. If it is stepping and saying, here I am, I, you know, I'm passionate about a ministry, an area. I, I don't know exactly how to do it, but I will be accountable for it. Father, I pray that you will place and birth that ministry in their heart um, and let them be willing to speak it out to leadership so that we can help equip and establish it. I pray, Father, if it is just in serving, which is so awesome, in a capacity in the body that will make Sunday mornings even more effective for your kingdom, I pray that they will answer the call and step forward and step into those areas. Father God, I pray for every home and every family in this church and in this community. Our heart is for this community and for the people who are lost, that they will enter into your kingdom and receive you, the amazing God you are, everything about you. It's not just about growing the numbers, Father, at all. You know our hearts. It's about having you in this, in this area, in this community. It's the best thing that could happen to it. So I pray a blessing of protection over every person here for courage and boldness and strength and wisdom and insight. In the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. I, I know, Besh, worship team, quickly come up, please. Quickly, quickly. By quickly, I mean run. Hundred and twenty-four beats. I want us to sing the song "Build, Build the Church Again," because that is really what God is leading us into personally: is building the church from the ground up, not from the pastor down. From the ground up. God built this church. And it's every single one of you that stood up today. You are the ones that God's going to use to build this church. So let's sing that together. Thanks, guys. All right, church, everyone stand up and we're going to respond. But we're going to need you to really sing this and believe it. That's it. Build your church. Build your church. Build it from the ground up.
Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church Audio Podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.